season's bleedings. Ooh. I'm spooked now. If that scared you, I have another spooky question for you. Is it how I like my steak? I like my steak seasoned and bleeding. Would that be reindeer steak, though? Because reindeer steak comes up in both of these movies. It does. It's a running running theme today. So we're talking about two movies tonight with Snow Lieta and Jim Hickok. I'm Jim Hickox. You like to make the movies and talk about the movies and teach about the movies. I do. I like doing all three of those things. Given my druthers, I guess my favorite is making them. But I also like talking about them. And teaching them is also, at least as far as I know, just talking about them. That's true. That's mostly watching them and talking about them. Because we like watching them, too. And when I'm teaching, I just get to decide what a bunch of people watch, which is a lot, but also fun. I'm like, you guys have to watch this weird thing that you're going to maybe hate and then talk to me about it. Well, Professor Jim, if you had to recommend one Christmas movie and one Christmas movie only for me to watch this year, what would it be? What's on my syllabus? Oh, man. I mean, I was when I was watching, this is a cop-out, when I was watching these movies, I was like, if my class spanned Christmas, I would make them watch Rare Exports, for sure. It would be on my syllabus. And fun, true story, that's how I first watched Rare Exports, (laughs) was Jim made me watch it. I assigned it. He assigned it in my brother's living room. Excuse me, classroom of friends. Settle down. (laughs) And then it became one of my favorites. So thank you, Jim. Yeah. For the gift of Rare Exports. There's no better exchange than that, introducing them someone to something that they then love. That's a gift for both of us. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, in both of these movies, we get... Well, when we get one thing you're not allowed to do wrong, or you get taken by an evil demon. And the other thing, we get a whole list. Yeah. And I want to know if you are going to get stolen by evil Santa, yeah. Krampus demon, what do you think you'd get stolen for? So here's Whoa, the list okay. of things that could go wrong. Okay. There's drinking, yeah. smoking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cursing, loitering, Ooh. cavorting, oh. arguing, or losing the hope inside your heart. Oh, the last one. I was going to go with cavorting, but definitely losing hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm a very... um. Hopeful being. Because the problem is I vacillate, right? <laughs> Sometimes I'm very hopeful, but then other times I'm not. So it's it's not like I just have a dead, dead heart, because then you'd probably be fine. It's the back and forth. He'd catch me losing heart. It's the vacillators that keep summoning the Krampus in the one movie. Uh, that's true. Because it's when they lose the heart. That's true. If you don't start out with the heart, it seems like nothing happens. Right. It's fine. It's fine if you're just dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what would I begin? got for cursing seems like what takes out most of the men uh, in that movie i think cursing would be a big one for me but if i did drinking like it would probably be cavorting and cursing sure sure loitering after the drinking (laughs) yeah yeah. like one would really lead to the other but (laughs) in my day-to-day what qualifies as cavorting yeah i don't know i don't know what what threshold you have to hit in order to cavort does it involve fancy footwork yeah how much does it involve fancy footwork is it a defined move like a jig yeah (laughs) i'm gonna go with cavorting it just sounds the most fun it does sound the most fun it seems like the way to go down if you were gonna be able to choose for sure yeah and maybe if you're good enough at cavorting you could just come the demon to cavort with you. That's true. You know when the devil comes and you can challenge him to a game of chess or whatever? Yeah, or playing the fiddle. Yeah, you can uh, cavort your way out of a bad Santa encounter. Challenge them to a game of drinking and cavorting and then he'll forget that he brought his sack along. Beer pong is what that's called. (laughs) Well, I guess I should mention what movies we're actually talking about. We're talking about two lovely little Christmas films. Well, one of them's very lovely. That came out about five years apart. We're talking about Rare Exports by Jelmari Hellander. It came out in 2010 
And then Krampus by Michael Doherty that came out in 2015. So two films both feature small young boys as the protagonist. In Rare Exports, we get a young Finnish boy who finds out that they are excavating something mysterious in the mountain in nearby Russia because he lives at the border of Russia and Finland. And he becomes convinced that that's possibly Santa Claus. And then a lot of things happen with scrawny <laughs> elves and a big Santa. Although we never really see big Santa. We see bits. We see bits. It's also a movie about his family having a rough time financially. They're reindeer herders and the excavation site has caused all the reindeer to die. And then our other protagonist, Max in Krampus, is having a rough Christmas as well. But all the problems are kind of coming from his family being a variety, a plethora, a banquet, a feast of jerks in different ways. Yeah. And he ends up himself summoning a Krampus that is very similar to the creepy Santa. Yeah, similar takes. Although we see a lot more of him and they get into battle with him for most of the film. Yeah. There's some interesting similarities between these films and some interesting differences. <laughs> The first that I kind of mentioned, one of these movies, we see a lot of the monster, I feel like. And one of them is very much about the discovery of what the monster is in a more subtle way. And we never actually yeah. see it completely. I mean, we see a lot of, of the quote unquote elves in both movies, right? I mean, they both, I, they're, they're called literally just elves in both movies. I mean, to, to my taste, I, broadly... This will come clear over the course of this discussion. I, I have much more fondness for Rare Exports than for Krampus, Shocked. the film. Shocked and appalled. Uh, Just kidding, I agree. <laughs> and, and we see a lot of... The, the Krampus is, shows up like a movie monster, right? It's fairly early on. There's like an early kill. It's almost horror movie structure. It's not the first thing that happens, like in a traditional horror movie. It's like the third thing that happens because it's more a Christmas movie than a horror movie. But then for a large chunk of the movie, we have Killer Toys, and I'm using the name of a Charles Band film because it feels very much like a Charles Band, like Killer Toys, or Demonic t Toys, maybe his is called. He has that whole line of movies that are about dumb little things murdering people, and it really feels like that for a long time. Time. Whereas Rare Exports, the, the way it sort of plays it, right, is we uh, we don't know that we haven't met Santa really until three quarters of the way through the movie, right? It is a movie about discovery, and and we are discovering along with the characters, right? We know they've they've excavated something, but we don't know how big it is. We know that something is murdering or, or doing something to the men who work, the Russian men who work at this dig site. Not even Russian. It's like a multinational group of people who are digging up on this digging site. But we don't know what's happening to them. And then we they catch one old naked man with a beard and, and an American passport. And they all just kind of figure that that must be the Santa because they know there's there's a, a bad Santa uh, to quote another movie title. <laughs> We have Santa Claus. And we, there are some like clues, some hints that that might not be Santa, but, and it's hard for me to remember the first time I watched the movie because it was 12 years ago or whatever. But I think the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, that's Santa. Yeah, I think I was wondering, okay, is, is this Santa and something's going to happen that suddenly gives him like his powers? Yeah. Or is this not Santa? Right, yeah. Like, I it, wasn't sure. Is this just what Santa is while he's recovering from being frozen and dead for thousands of years? Yes, because yeah. he's very quiet and he's sort of like, you know, just a naked yeah. bearded skinny He smells man gingerbread cookies like, and know. children. 
and doesn't care about anything else. And he yes. also, when we meet him, he's been sent on a mission. All the children are being stolen and replaced with like corn husk boys. And he is gonna replace our main character with a creepy corn husk boy, uh, but falls in an illegal pit trap by mistake. And so we kind of think that that's Santa for a long time, and then and then we eventually meet Santa, and he's in a warehouse, and he's in a giant block of ice, and we just see these huge goat horns sticking out, and that's all we ever see of full Santa. So to to get to your question that you asked, I think I mean there's super different approaches, right? And and the the Krampus is going more towards the shape of a traditional horror movie. I think that for what Rare Exports is doing, the way they do it is much, much smarter. I For a couple of reasons. W- one is I just, I, I like that we get these weird, the, the elves are kind of what's mostly scary. Like, there's this looming threat of Santa, and there, you could, there could be a version of this movie where Santa gets out of the ice, and then there's a giant rampaging Santa, and they have to deal with that, and that's like a bigger, that's like, it almost turns into like a Godzilla movie, because Santa's huge, which could be fun, potentially. Um, but it feels different. This movie's so small. I was struck rewatching it how much of the movie just takes place in that tiny little backyard slaughterhouse. It's like half the movie. It's just some yes. guy sitting in a little one-room house. And I find that slaughterhouse actually like a really interesting setting because it's this area that's very much for the grown-ups yeah. and the little kid's kind of scared of it. We see the first time he goes in, he keeps his eyes closed the whole look. time because he doesn't want to see the dead pig, I think, yeah. or whatever's in there. So it sort of like plays with this idea that I feel like we get in a very different way in Krampus <laughs> and just in American culture in general about parents like hiding certain things from sure. kids and protecting sure. them in this, in this magical season and having it be the slaughterhouse really speaks to this sort of like very gritty real setting of this movie where they're like fighting for survival and the thing that happens makes the father very obviously terrified that he's not going to be able to feed his child like it's very real stakes throughout the whole movie for this christmas setting which i love yeah they are they're struggling yeah i wish there had been a little more of that in krampus a little more of like dealing with like actual struggle versus like anything human at all it was very cartoonish (laughs) Yeah, there's there's no humanity in in no. Krampus. It, but Krampus also just to, to jump ship over to there for a minute. Krampus hates all of its characters so much, like more than most movies. I think I, I that was the thing that struck me the most about it. I mean, for the first half, and then I was kind of I I realized. It. Although, and then occasionally it would do more things, and I'd be like, wow, it just hates. Other everybody. than maybe Omi um, and but it's Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Max the, the main character and. Omi, his magical grandmother, it, it like has some respect for them, but like literally just hates everyone else that walks on screen, which is weird. It's a, it's which it's like a tone that you get sometimes in like like a bleak con- like like a Todd Solon's film, right? Like happiness or something, where it's like I'm just gonna be miserable for 95 minutes, and you're like, okay, it's weird to do that in in what is fundamentally a comedy film. Yeah, it's a comedy, and they made it purposely pg-13 apparently there's an r cut out there i doubt i'll ever go searching for it because i didn't love the movie enough to sit through it again i would be curious what else would be in it the guy who directed this his previous film that he had made was trick archery with an r the halloween movie that people love i think is okay but i I think it's i think it's fine that movie but a lot of people really love it. it in that movie there are some things that are like kind of violent and some things that are kind of scary and until I looked this up, that up, I was like, oh, this film was 100% directed by a comedy director. The violence in it is very weirdly stilted. Yeah, it's any, like, connection.
action is very feigned and forced and everything's very caricature-ish in a kind of gross way. I felt really gross about most of the characters. Yeah. Like, ooh, you're being depicted in such a mean light yeah. by this yes. director and by the choices they're making about you and the choices they're making to not give you any redeeming human quality. Like, I feel yeah. so bad for the way that quiet fat kid is depicted. Like, that's how they depict him. Yes. Those are his two attributes. He doesn't talk yeah. and he eats a lot. And that's it. Yeah, he's dumb and he's fat. And you're like, really? That's You didn't want to do another pass on that? Give him, like, anything? Like, really just no humanity at all. It's like they gave the baby yeah. more personality than they gave yeah. that kid. And the baby mostly just crawls around being a baby. Right. <laughs> but like, you know. It's just they couldn't take personality away and still have a literal baby on set. They would have had to have had it played by a plastic baby in yeah, order to have true. the level yeah. of nothing that they would have wanted. It's it's striking. <laughs> it's so the in Krampus yes. we're seeing sort of two cousin branches of one family come together, right? That's sort of the the impetus. And and it's there's one kid who's our main character who's like holding the torch for Santa, right? And is like embarrassed about it, but like getting into a fist fight for some reason he was doing like a school play in a walmart at the beginning yes a pageant in a department store like i didn't get that anyway but there's a pageant happening in the mall and the kid throws down with some other kid because he said santa was invented by coca-cola or whatever that's like our main our main little dude so his family is like upper middle class uh but they're all just high strung and snotty and terrible and then the cousin family comes over and they're all, I, you know, what was weird about the other thing that was weird is clearly it's supposed to be like liberal side of the family and the conservative side of the family. But the conservative side of the family, I, the, the like liberal side of the family, I was like, sure, I like see what you're doing. They're like New Yorkery people, I guess. The conservative people, I like, couldn't even really get a beat on what the filmmaker was trying to do. I feel like he's never actually met anyone conservative <laughs> or like had a conversation. It was like they were kind of conservative-y. They eat mac and cheese and hot dogs, and and the mom was judgmental about it. You're like, okay, sure, they eat mac and cheese and hot dogs. But then also the dad drives like a like a Hummer, but not like a Hummer, like an H2 SUV you buy, but like a military Humvee, but doesn't seem to be military taking pieces of pastiche but they didn't yeah. fall together into a character that made any sense to me i don't know i didn't know how yeah. to read any also there's a whole bit sorry i'm just going off on a ramble right now no 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 go on <laughs> there's a whole bit where david keckner is the uncle uh the like conservative uncle and then adam scott is the father in the rich family and there's a whole bit where they're at dinner and keckner's like well, what were you doing in your teenage years and he was like i was preparing and he's like uh preparing for what and he was like i was a boy scout and he's like yeah yeah but weaving baskets and Adam Scott's like no actually the, you, there's a lot of like emergency preparedness and he like looks at his mom and they have a moment spend any time on the field Tommy no actually I, I didn't have time in my younger years I was in training mostly what were you training for uh, army marines so, eagle scouts eagle scouts now eagle scouts kids that's where you weave baskets and help little old <laughs> ladies across the street. Am I right? No, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was actually quite a bit of uh, survival training. Well, the only survival training I need is my old smoke pole and a big fat box of buckshot that I keep out in that truck. 
And then he kind of gets more and more serious as things start to happen. And I was like, oh, we're going to find out. This is going to be like a history of violence kind of thing where we're going to find out that his mother spent his whole youth preparing him for the eventual downfall of Christmas and coming of the Krampus. And then it. Why didn't she? I don't know. I don't. That's the insane. Right. And so, that would have been way better. <laughs> There's a whole plot in this movie where the <laughs> where the grandmother summoned the Krampus 80 years ago or whatever. And killed her whole her family. whole family was stolen. Yeah. They were dragged to hell. That um, was actually and the one part of the movie I really liked. I liked the way they did the animation in the animation. It was really lovely. I it was really, really liked lovely. it. Yes. <laughs> and I loved the way they depicted Krampus and his helpers in the animation more than yeah. the rest of the movie. Yes. I, I read one interview where um, the director was talking a little bit about what he wanted to try to do with Krampus. Uh-huh. He was trying to show less of him, which is funny to me because I feel like we see an awful okay. lot of him. And when he was trying to show him, he wanted to show him in a way where it felt like this was this person's interpretation, where he could maybe appear in a different way to someone else. Okay. So because he's in America, he's showing up with like more American style helpers versus in the olden days. I feel like he achieved that way more with this cartoon memory of the grandma in this like really creepy childhood flashback that's all looks it's animation but it looks very similar to sort of like the old stuff yeah it's like it's like fake stop motion aesthetically yeah like it left things up to the imagination with him being silhouetted and them not showing him actually taking the parents and it really focusing on the girl and i don't feel like he really did that in the rest of the film i feel like we saw a lot of krampus in his gaping jaw and his santa face i was trying to figure out if he just has a weird mouth or if he was wearing a mask i couldn't oh because the elves had masks the elves all had masks the elves in krampus were very different than the elves in rare exports yes he got like old santa man looking elves in rare exports and we got like masked yeah that's know, true like creepy masked elves <laughs> it's one weird. of them had like a that's very mask. like of of the time 2015 right like people on the internet like this right now there's yeah whereas right the rare exports <laughs> one is is j- naked skinny old men with beards are timeless that is <gasps> by the way they all came from a finnish choir did they yes there was a small town no no i'm sorry <sighs> norwegian they were in norway okay. it was filmed in norway even though it's by finnish oh. you know their neighbors sure um and they had a small town where they spent most of their time in norway and they were looking for these old men, and apparently the peep, the choir, like, were really into the idea, and were like, yeah. I love that. So there was a choir of old men who became the elves. <laughs> That's so good. I'm gonna look them up. Yeah. I'm gonna look them up and see if I can find a recording of them singing. Now I'm a little <laughs> mad at that movie for not giving them, like, a haunting elf song they could have all been singing at some point. <laughs> One of the big divides, I think, between these two films is Krampus falls very much in this American tradition of of Christmas movies that Rare Exports kind of breaks out of, which is that they're all sort of soft Christianity, right? The whole Santa thing, right, is, is at least in America, there's a guy who watches you all the time, and if you're good, he gives you gifts, and if you're bad, bad things happen, and, and uh, you know, it, it varies. Sometimes it's just you don't get gifts. Sometimes it's like you get coal. Ooh, a bad gift. If you go more extreme, if you bring in the, like, Krampus angle on it, then, we, then we're, like, bringing 
in the like the devil side, right? And this movie falls very much on that Christian dichotomy where the Krampus and his and his minions are literally dragging people to Christian hell. <laughs> I never totally get why that's every holiday movie is like it's people are having a crisis of faith. And then by the end of the movie, yes. they believe again. That's the plot of the movie. That's what makes this a Christian or a Christmas movie rather than a horror movie. Right. Is is because that is the art. Yes. And I, I was thinking about this with the two monsters in Krampus going along with this sort of soft Christianity. They give the monster a certain amount of morality and moral power and and this power of judgment that they're believing in and abiding by. Whereas in the other movie, it's like, oh, this monster had these arbitrary rules and they were sick of it, so they buried it. And now they have arbitrary rules again. Let's ignore this because it's nonsense and we don't want our children beat for silly things. They're real complicated people. They reject the morality of the monster where it's very accepted as like, oh they they deserved this in one way or another even if they're had yeah. some redeeming qualities where they're fighting for their children they all lost the hope in their heart and didn't sacrifice enough for christmas which that's like you know that's what the grandma says she likes about christmas is that people sacrifice things but it's really all driven by her guilt yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah that's the like what the like minute three tell us what the moral of the movie is right is her being like to save christmas you have to like make sacrifices for each other that's the spirit of the season right and then and then she stops talking for 45 minutes because she's done what she what she needs to do she she really is sort of like the magical totem that drags them through <laughs> But then later she clarifies that it's not about actions. Oh, right. You ca- it can't be sacrificial actions. Right. It has to be about how you feel and give up in your heart. Right. Which which becomes important at the end because the kid tries to sacrifice himself action-wise. Also, the, the inciting incident, right, is the kid, his family is all jerks to him. And he's like, I hate Christmas and I hate family. And he rips up his letter to Santa and throws it into the air and it flies away magically and alerts the Krampus that someone has lost the faith, right? And the Krampus then comes and just wipes out the neighborhood. He murders the DHL delivery driver. He murders everyone in every house in their neighborhood, eventually murders them. It's weird that he hits them last, but just takes out everybody, right? And I was like, why... <laughs> Why? The, the the presupposition must be nobody believes in Santa, so the Krampus really eventually is coming to get everybody, but he just prioritizes it when he gets a note, right? <laughs> so he's like, oh, you know, what am I doing the next couple of days? I got a note from this kid over on <laughs> Elm Street, so I'm going to, like, hit that neighborhood next, and then I'll prioritize wherever the next note comes from. And I think it's his in, right? It seemed like he needed to be summoned. And once he got summoned, he was like, all y'all getting fucked up. But, like, he had to be summoned by the losing of hope. But then where does he stop once he gets summoned? Because it's not like he's summoned and then he dealt with that issue specifically. He Before he even got around to them, he murdered everyone else. Usually when you have these, like, morally driven creatures, they're like, they have to obey rules, right? And, like, if, if like, you're summoned to deal with this one issue, so you deal with this one issue. But he, he was like, no. I was summoned to this general area. Do you think it has to do with the timing? Both have a focus on interesting advent calendars. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if Krampus in that movie is tied to the Christmas season. If it's because it's like supposed to be the belief around Christmas. Sure. You're asking like what stops him. I wonder if it's like, okay, I'm, the last day of the advent calendar, you done for the year. Come back and kill some more people next I year. I do wonder now that you've said it, I hadn't thought about this. 
I, I was thinking geographically uh, boundaried, boundaried, but I, I wonder if you if you actively lost your belief in Christmas in July, could the Krampus come get you then? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Unexplored. Because Unexplored. then you're not bound by the rule that you have to be hopeful because it's not Christmas time. You only have to be hopeful yeah. and believe and sacrifice things when it's December. That's true. That's true. It's it's uh, there's. I mean that that's the moral foundation of America. Yeah. 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 Is right that for there. about two yeah. weeks you have to be hopeful and good and loving really nice. and nice? Yeah. No, I was thinking geographically, right? It's like it's like it, because it is he he shows up because because in the flashback, let's go to the flashback. In the flashback, the grandmother loves Christmas. What loves her family? Something bad happens. I don't remember what her little inciting incident is. She rips up her note, throws it in the fire. It summons the Krampus. He sees that she's lost her faith. He comes and drags her family to hell. And as he had for thousands of years, Krampus came not to reward, but to punish. Not to give, but to take. But Krampus didn't take me that night. He left me as a reminder of what happens when hope is lost, when belief is forgotten. Right, that feels uh, that's Hans Christian Andersen. Right, that's that's how a fairy tale works. That's that's like the plot of Labyrinth. Right, you're like, I want to get rid of this baby. The goblins come, they take that baby. If <laughs> if Labyrinth started with her being like, I hate this baby, and goblins showed up and just stole babies from a bunch of houses nearby, <laughs> th- then you lose the sort of moral tack. Right in the present day story that's what happens is the Krampus shows up and before he even gets to this kid's house freezes a truck driver to death smashes the windshield of another truck and steals that guy and just empties out every other house we see fills the houses with ice those people weren't having a specific crisis those people weren't the ones who summoned him he's just like hitting other houses on the way what are his rules then what bounds this krampus in action there is a brief moment which again it doesn't pay off there's a brief moment when the krampus and his elves are attacking they've made it into the house and they're attacking the people and a large a now large jack-in-the-box clown has eaten one of these two girls these two girls who big whose big sin is like being tomboy because the movie's just arbitrarily hateful. Yeah. The, the, the things like crawling through the heat ducts with a kid in it, and they make the choice to sick the dog on it. They send the dog into the heat vents. <gasps> I know, I was so worried about that. The dog never comes back. The, well, right. When they were doing it, I was like, that's brilliant, because these are creatures bound by strict rules based on faith, and that dog can't believe in Santa, so they can't hurt that dog, as long as these creatures are playing by their rules. And dogs have hope eternal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right? you know, you kick a dog, they're like, you still love me, don't you? Right? You know. Yeah, there's nothing more Not optimistic. You, <laughs> yeah. Nothing more emblematic of the Christmas spirit than, than a dog. <laughs> Max, what are you doing? Go get him, girl. But then, yeah, but then we just don't see it anymore. The thing falls through the ceiling and the dog is just gone. Um, and I was mad because I was like, oh, this is this is what they this is what they're going to do. Use animals. This world didn't set up 
rules that we could sink our teeth into. No. And it would be a lot more fun if they had set up something to play with in some sort of smart way of like, yeah. like I didn't even honestly, to jump to the end, I didn't really yeah. get it. Okay, so the point is that now they're not in hell, they're just stuck in Christmas and that's hell because they made it hell. That's, in what I, rules did Krampus want to collect families in snow globes that had never been mentioned? I don't know. felt very stuck on there. I like internal consistency and logic unless there is specifically not right like some movies are just like everything's cosmic and ununderstandable sure i can roll with that but for a movie where things are playing by rules i like to know what they are and how they work and see them be consistent and this movie did feel like it it was like in a very concerted way giving you rules but then discarding them willy-nilly yes if they had chosen total chaos i would have yeah maybe been able to get into that where it's like this is just chaos and there's gingerbread yeah. man trying to kill you with pointy peppermint sticks and yeah. you know and angels and whatever and yeah creepy angels with tongues if they were like oh you lost faith that has summoned the compass the krampus the krampus is uh, an agent of chaos who murders everything it sees then you'd be like okay great i know what i'm getting into but they were like no this is all very strictured and it follows these christian ideologies right so the ending spoiler alert nerds they all get dragged to hell and then the kid wakes up the next morning and you're like, oh, I hate you, this movie. And it's like, just kidding. I'm not really doing that thing. I'm only smirkingly doing that it was just a dream because they open up presents and the kid gets a Krampus bell. And then everyone looks at the Krampus bell and is like, oh, shit. And you're like, oh, okay. And then it zooms out and they're in a snow globe in a collection of snow globes owned by the Krampus, which is vague. The way I read it was was I, kind of what you just said, right? Where I think that that means that they are in hell, but their hell is that they have to spend Christmas together forever because they all hate each other. Well, and they all kind of remembered, right? So they yeah. keep forgetting and then remembering again. And I didn't... I guess. I don't hate that idea. I mean, I think it's been done plenty, but... It could know. be something good. I, I wish yeah. they were more explicit about it or something. They just, they're just like, here, now they're in a snow globe. That's where it felt very tacked on. And it felt like... Yeah. Yeah. I feel very confused used about their Krampus because he's yes. kind of ancient, kind of Americanized, yes. kind of moral, kind of an agent of chaos, whereas the rare exports basically Krampus. I mean, it's Santa, but they're con both of them are kind of amalgams of Santa and Krampus in both movies because neither of them show like the furry classic Krampus. They're both right. kind of Santa-ish, but kind of Krampus-ish. Yeah. And in Rare Exports, he gets called Santa. In Krampus, he gets called Krampus. But they both, like, have the big horns, but are in rogue garb. Yeah, kind of Santa-dressed. Although we don't really see anything but the horns. We see drawings, though. And in all the drawings, Mostly. he's like he's yeah. like a Santa-looking guy with horns. Yeah. And theirs feels very ancient in the way that he has one goal and one goal only, and that's to collect naughty yeah. children by his standards yeah. and his rules. Yes. So the rules are very clear, and it makes the movie feel very fairy taleish and iconic to me. Yes. Oh, let us go get our lashings, because yeah. otherwise Santa will get us. Rare Exports breaks away from this American movie soft Christianity idea, right? It's they're they're not like there's Santa and he's God, and there's the Krampus, and he's 
the devil, and you have to believe, because if you don't believe, then bad things happen, and that's what you have to do your whole life. That's why you make good decisions, because otherwise, Santa. This movie is just like, oh, this is like an ancient being that that whips kids that don't follow its particular rules. That's exactly it, right? And and like you said, it's like the, the yeah. Laplanders, what, a thousand years before this movie or whatever, they give a number, but I don't remember how long it is, but like hundreds or thousands of years before, they were like, I hate this guy. I hate his rules. The Sami people yeah. who, who interestingly, there's some theories that part of our version of Santa Claus comes from their shamans. Oh, interesting. Which just fun fact. But yeah, the, but in the movie, he says the Sami people, you know, lured him into a lake, froze him, and then basically made a mountain yeah. as an icebox to contain him because he can't be killed. Which the director confirmed he can't be killed like he's still alive. Sure. They dynamited him. Oh. But he was like, if there was another movie, Santa can't be okay. killed. He still would somehow sure. be able to get put back together. And there are still these elves all over that if their master started to come back would not be docile anymore. And now they're housed in, I don't know, department yeah. stores across the world. I'll tell you, I really love the first three quarters of Rare Sports and then the last quarter I like. Yeah. <laughs> Once they get to Santa. Oh, and this is the reason, the other thing, the reason I was going to say that I'm glad that we don't have big lumbering around Santa is because when we get to the end, we start to rely kind of heavily on CGI. And the CGI feels early 2000s, non-Hollywood CGI. It's a little, it's a little tough. Although I do love, even though it's a little CGI, early yeah. 2000s, I love the image of Pietri, like, with the helicopter oh, just yeah. being like, I'm going to get down <laughs> and get them into the reindeer pen. Like, yeah, yeah. I just it's love Pietari. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pietari against Max, I totally want Pietari on my team. Oh, for sure. Yeah, this he's smart and resourceful. He's such a real and, and yeah, as yeah. much as... As much as Krampus hates all of its characters and has no real humanity in it, Rare Sports is so human and so beautiful. Every space they're in is gorgeous and feels lived in, and, like, the sets are beautiful, and all of the people are beautiful yeah. uh, and, like, delightful to watch and feel human, and they they make mistakes all the time, but are, but they're all doing their best. I, I like, mm-hmm. if I was going to live in one of these worlds, it would absolutely be the Rare Sports world. Yes, and, the like, the scenes we get between the father and son in Rare Exports are so tender and real without giving us all these explicit, let me tell you what I think Christmas is about, son. It's more, you know, are you hungry? Did you play a tough game today? But like, there's all this, both of them show such beautiful, tender emotion. And there's a lot of like trying to communicate, but not like totally knowing how or being good at it, you know? Yeah. I also realized something that I didn't realize before about Rare Exports, or I didn't think about. It has zero women yeah, in it. zero. I wrote that which down. Which is just a really interesting thing. <laughs> I was, early on, I was like, there are no women. and But I remembered, I was like, I feel like at one point, one of these kids has a mom, but then she doesn't yes. show up. They mention Oh, her. they mention Her hair dryer gets stolen. Right, right. To thaw out. There's Santa. an object that indicates it, that there yeah. could be a woman. <laughs> Actually, so I love that about this movie because I feel like it's very much about Pietri and his internal world and figuring out this very rough world he's living in where right now they don't have their reindeer harvest and he thinks it's his fault that he made a hole and the wolves got through from Russia because they like cursed the Russian wolves and he had gone up to the excavation site. And in his world, he's lost his mom. 
And it's very much his world is him and his dad and figuring out how to survive and his dad's friends that herd the reindeer with him and his other friend, also a young boy, trying to figure out his role in all this. Does his foe posturing as a man with his cigarette and is like trying to be very manly. So that's like very much his world. And sure. I feel like that choice to not have any mother figures lets you get more into that tender space of Pietri dealing with having just a dad, yeah. figuring out what his role is in this family and keeping keeping his family safe and fed, sure. which he takes very seriously for a little boy. Yeah. The movie does like really dwell a lot on a specific breed of what at the time was not called toxic masculinity, but but would be now, right? Of of like these men and boys, right? And these boys whose their only role models are these three men we keep seeing. They can't express their emotions. They like can't say what they're feeling. They can't take any kind of failure in a reasonable way at all. It's like really about these people scrapping, trying to get by and not knowing how to navigate the world in, in a way that sort of allows for love and positivity, you know, which I think is real. And yet they're so loving. Yeah. And that's what's so like tender. It just comes yeah. through in these little moments. But you have the one kooky right. guy who's like kind of the crazy, let me fly the yeah. plane and doesn't have kids of his own, presumably, but is kind of like everybody's kooky uncle. Yeah. And then you have the guy who like is very stoic and does the math. But is is so concerned about his, like, much bigger boy when he's getting taken and has to be, like, bait. He's like, no, not my son, not my juicio. Well, that's, right? It's like, we we see them kind of, like, murfing at each other, right? They're like, no, do this thing, do this thing. Uh, And then it's not until the kid has been stolen and is, like, screaming for his dad in a bag. He opens the bag and they hug for, like, a minute straight, right? You're like, they, they don't know how to express this until they're in this moment of crisis, right? The biggest one that strikes me with the, with the main character and his dad is when the dad, it's like Christmas morning and he's trying to cook something and he's burned it and he's so mad. He's so, he, like, just wanted to make a little meal for his yeah. son and he couldn't do it. And he's so mad at himself and then he's just, like kind of shitty to the kid all morning like giving him (laughs) giving him just handfuls of cookies um because he like is so disappointed in himself that he's like just being kind of shitty to everybody right which is like yeah and then pietri's like the gingerbread's good yeah he says he's like it's okay dad this gingerbread's really good like um and then he he, his like big expression for his dad right at the end he's like He's going to sacrifice. They're like rounding up all of these feral <laughs> elf men. Uh, and the only way they can get them into the pen is he has to jump in and turn the pen on and lure them into the pen. And he's like, I'm yeah. going to be eaten by these old men. And he jumps down there. And to the to the guy with, who wears his sunglasses at night, the kooky uncle, he says, tell dad what I did. Right. That's all yeah. he wants is for his dad to be proud of him. The whole movie is built on the structure of love, but not knowing how to express it to each other because you're because you're boys. <laughs> I do love that he wears his like kid armor for most of right. It's like partially hockey equipment, partially I don't even know, like a helmet from something else. It's like a bunch of armory stuff that he puts on and then kind of rocks for most of the movie. Yeah, and then one point he's in like a lot up top, but then just like kid underwear to like run to the book. Or though maybe oh, then he's yeah. just in sweaters. Maybe that's before the gear. I don't There's know. There's a lot of running around in their underwear. It, it's it's such a cozy world. It feels like a like a lovely portrait. I'm, I haven't lived where there's snow in a long time, but it feels 
I, nostalgic to me because of that. Like, and and yeah, that him running around in his like a little underwear out in the snow, and then yeah. his dad is wearing like long underwear for half the movie instead of pants. Yeah, <laughs> apparently they had a specific like elf hut or something. I forget what they <laughs> called it because <laughs> they could only film the naked men elves for like forty seconds at a time, and then they'd send them in to get oh, like hot drinks and play games. <laughs> And then, like, bring them back out to film them. So they'd just be, like, yeah. naked old men hanging they're out playing running games around. and drinking hot cocoa <laughs> in between takes. What a joy. <laughs> a bunch of dudes, they're it. all friends with each other. They're yeah. all in the choir together. Maybe That's they so sang. fun. They might have sang I bet. songs. Who I knows? bet they did. <laughs> The, the needs and the problems in the rare export world are so different than the Krampus world. And I think the Krampus movie could have sure. done better. Yeah, they're like, we're going to starve. Exactly. We're going to starve. We need to make ends meet. Somebody stole everyone's radiators and people are going to freeze to yeah. death. People are going to freeze. We don't have yeah. reindeer meat to sell. It's our yeah. entire year's income, our economy. And then, like, you have these very self-created problems in Krampus with the Yeah, none characters. of them has any real problems. But they poke at. He at one point says, like, oh, I wish things were easier for my aunt and uncle. So it's obvious that they're supposed to be poorer. Sure. And if they had played more with, like, yeah. there are plenty of of external pressures that make people do things yeah. that aren't the best because they're feeling pressure to get what their kids yes. need and get what their kids want and disappointing. And if there had been some more of that or any of real that. pressure that tends to bubble at Christmas and that sort of like we have enough real issues here <laughs> that families yeah. face yeah, yeah. that if they had played with that and given these characters real stakes instead of just having them all be dumb self-created problems like I'm gonna talk about guns yeah. even though I know you don't like them. There are all these dumb problems that no aren't real problems. Yeah, like not really problems like, at all. It would have been so much more engrossing yeah. to deal with oh these are these awful products of our society that tend to fester even more at Christmas time. And then here comes in this demon, throw things into perspective. Like that yeah. would have been so much more interesting. Right. They sort of pay some homage to the idea that that part of the family's poor, but like don't really indicate it in any sort of practical way. Times when people are giving gifts, right? It's, it's yeah. like, it's, it is a huge financial burden for a lot of people. You're like, oh, I'm not going to work for two weeks. And also I have to buy things for people. And also like, especially if you were going to do like this part of the family, is genuinely yeah. kind of poor and this part of the family is kind of like upper middle classy i don't know what that means really but i think that's what they are then like you know like these kids are getting a pile of gifts and these kids are only getting a fruitcake and the idea that that reflects how good you are yeah like, exactly that's a real issue that families deal with i mean economic disparity and actual yeah. hardship yeah. and wanting to take care of your kids yes. emotions and it could have been so much deeper yeah had they explored that yeah what if the main character kid was like having his crisis of conscience because he was like other kids are getting a bunch of presents and i'm not i must be bad yes Right? Or the opposite. Why sure. am I getting a bunch of presents and, you know, realizing Santa's not real? It's interesting yeah. they both reference the Coca-Cola Santa. Yeah. <laughs> both movies. Yeah. Um, which the director of Rare Exports was talking about how it, the tradition of Santa really changed with that in Finland. Because Santa used sure. to come to houses, I guess, and demand presents. Finnish <laughs> concept of Santa apparently was very different until the 50s. And was a, like, skinny, creepy Santa that came and demanded gifts. Great. And then it changed with the Coca-Cola Santa. And, sure. you know, our young Pia Teresa says, Coca-Cola Santa is just a hoax. Yeah, yeah. 
with like global media starting kind of in right when once TV is sort of everywhere, right? I'm sure there was mm-hmm. a huge amount of standardization in all kinds of places of of all kinds of holidays, right? But but San- yeah, Santa's a huge one, mm-hmm. right? Where even in yeah. the US, Santa didn't look like like Santa until no. Coca-Cola made him their mascot. <laughs> I bet I bet there are like more remote areas where Santa is still under transition from some other image into into coca-cola santa but eventually it'll be universal i'm sure yes and there's still um i mean we have like our little krampus knocks for weirdo here but there's still like legitimate krampus knocks to my understanding in like germany austria slovenia place i I don't know if slovenia i have dutch friends who say that yeah yeah, it's like what krampus knocked is what the fifth i think of december or something yeah people dress up and run around and drink a lot and whip each other with sticks sounds great and they're often paired the krampuses and the santas and it used to be that they would come to houses and kind of like krampus would be like you better be good and have (laughs) like his rods for thrashing because the originals i mean i think he did steal away really naughty children sure and he has some sort of pagan roots and then became sure. Christianized as sort of the devil counterpart. But they would travel together and the Santa would give presents to the good kids and the Krampus would threaten them with some sort of reed that he was going to whip them with. But he was all furry with the horns. Yeah. He didn't have any Santa. Yes. Yeah. And the long tongue. Yes. Yeah. Always <laughs> the long tongue. I want to tell you the weirdest thing in Krampus, which is. It's shortly after their power goes out, Tony Collette, the mother, is like, yells at her son. She's like, I told you to wake up, Omi. Uh, and he's like, points at her and she's making hot chocolate on uh, the fire. And he's like, Omi says the hot chocolate makes everything better or whatever. And then we cut back to Tony Collette and don't, it's, it's like we do a freeze frame and crossfade into the next scene, but it's not a freeze frame. We just hold on Tony Collette standing perfectly still for like, two seconds while it crossfades into the next scene. And it's one of the most insane editing decisions I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I feel like there was so uh, something they were trying to do with Omi where they kept underestimating her, but she obviously has more wisdom than them. And I think that was one of those moments where they're trying to do that, where they were like, get her away from the fire. She's going to burn the house down. But actually she's like more resourceful than all of them and knows how to cook over a fire and has been putting them hot chocolate over there. And they didn't know. And it's also like, keep this fire hot. So the Krampus doesn't come down the chimney. (laughs) Yes. Which she never really tells them, but she's just like, keep it hot. Like, I feel like they're trying to have something to say about modernity versus these sure. old ways and what we've lost, but they just don't, they do it in such a very shallow, cartoonish way throughout the whole movie without yeah. any little nuance that it's just, it falls really flat. Yeah. Please, listen. English. I knew it. I love that at the end... In Rare Exports, it's, like, about the dad stepping back and letting the kid yeah. take charge and being like, yeah, we underestimated you. And in the other movie, it's more like the dad's, like, scrambling to be the defender. Yeah, the shepherd's got to protect his flock. That's, like, the mantra of Krampus. A shepherd has got to protect his flock. Uh, although he can't. Nobody can protect anybody. They all end up in hell. 
No, even the kid sacrificing himself. Which it's funny that the kid's like, take me instead, and the Krampus just kind of like laughs and then throws everybody into hell. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, I'll take you too. Yeah, he's like, I was gonna let you live, but it's funny that one had sort of the express interest in being like a family friendly film, but ends really bleakly. Yeah, has all these characters that we hate. Yes, and then or just aren't super redeemable. And then Rare Exports is this scrappy little movie that actually has like a fairly happy ending. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the Families end up making enough money to last them a lifetime. They're not worried anymore. They it is blow slightly up confusing. Fianta, at least for now. It's slightly confusing to whom they are selling all of these elves. They like train yes. all these old men to yes. be, it seems like to be to kind of mall Santas. Yeah. yeah. And then they sell That's them. But I like, assumed. who's spending $85,000 to buy an old guy? You know? But it's a true old Finnish man. <laughs> and the only one we see them ship goes to Zanzibar. They, they send one to Tanzania. Yeah, like I don't that. remember where they send the guy. No, um, it is Tanzania. Yeah, but they're, yeah. There's, it's Tanzania. Is it Tanzania? <laughs> they're just like shipping these dudes off around the world. Yeah, and I guess it, like they're like, this is a genuine yeah. Santa's elf. But who's, who's believing? I don't know. I, I guess they have those huge horns. That's proof of something. Well, I mean, I guess if you can ship a human who's not going to complain in a crate. That's true. That's proof of something. That's some amount of proof of like what's going on. But you know, I, I guess certain people would be interested, like the yeah. diabolical guy. Not diabolical. He's not really diabolical, but the guy with the. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the dude from the beginning. In the beginning of like, ooh, I found Santa. That's true. He, he would get one yeah. like that. Always believe. I can proudly say that we are standing on a sacred grave. Does he make it? They also, he makes it, uh, right? No, he dies. Oh, he, he dies. dies. It's right in that scene, right? They like bring, because they think there's the whole little like, Santa heist. They oh, bring the they bring an elf yes. dressed up like Santa, and they're like, "Give us money for Santa." And he's like, yes. "That's not Santa, you dum dums." Yeah. And they're like, "What are you talking about?" And then he yeah, and then he gets an axe yeah. to the head, and then they find Santa inside an airplane yeah. hangar. Yeah. Oh yes. I, how did I forget about the axe? Well, there's a lot going on, and it says something about this movie that I feel like the least interesting part yeah. <laughs> is where someone gets an axe to the head. Yeah. Like the rest of the movie is way more interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like even when we see Santa, I really like that we just see horns coming yeah. out of this huge ice block and all these little heaters like tons of little heaters and radiators and yeah. hair dryers hair dryers <laughs> and just the children intermixed in sacks because once santa yeah. thaws he needs to have children at the ready he's missed thousands of years of whippings yeah he's holding his yeah. switch we see that we, he's like we see his horns and we see his giant switch yeah he's like ready to go he sees you when you're sleeping when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. And he doesn't give up. They do, and they do steal it. I wish we saw at the end where the horns went. We, they drive away with they, Santa's like, horns. Keep them? Which I think is yeah, very I li- nice. Yeah, I like that they take the horns. I, I guess. would want those horns. I want to see them mounted on a yeah. building. That's why at first I was like, oh, that's how they're going to make all their money. You sell those horns. That's yeah, going to be right? half a million dollars for those. Maybe they do sell them. I don't know. They are very, they're very practical. It's a very practical, very practical. movie of like. But it also, it seems like they're raking in a ton selling these old men. So they probably don't need to sell. Maybe they'll keep the horns for a rainy day. You know? Yeah, he does the math. Plus, yeah. whatever the tax Plus tax, is. yeah, 22% each time. VAT. <laughs> yeah, it's a sweet little moment where the dad is obviously like, a bit of a math genius or whatever. Yeah. He's their math guy. But yeah. then he leans down and tells the number to the little boy so yeah. he can say it out loud. His, well, his little boy who's not as little 
And it's a very cute moment. Because this movie, it has to kind of sell that kid out, right? Because because Pippin, then, it, it, it's, it's his movie, right? And everyone underestimates him, and that's his arc, is that by yeah. the end of the movie, he's the one that saves the day, and he... Yeah. And the other kid's the, like, tougher older kid, but yeah. he's, like, more freaked out, and he's stuck in a bag, and then he gets thrown into the <laughs> into the pile of other kids, and he's kind of whiny about it. So he gets kind of thrown under the bus by the movie, but because this movie loves all of its characters, it goes out of its way to give him a moment to shine at the end, right? Yeah! Even though his whole job is to make Pippin and tougher... Yeah. It gives him his own moment later. They're like, also, go, oh, this kid's pretty cool. Even though, like, he's bullyish in certain yeah. moments to Piatri, you can tell yeah, they still is. genuinely like each other. Yeah. And they, like, go on the adventure together. They just have differing views of whether this Santa monster is real yeah. and what to do about the fact that they made the hole in the fence. But it's yeah. a very real relationship. Yes. Unlike the relationships between the kids in the in the Krampus movie that are just terrible and false. Yeah. A couple more things, and then I'll I'll let you go, Jim, because it's getting past your bedtime. I'm sure. I'm so sweepy. Actually, it's earlier for you. Yeah, it's only it? ten o'clock. I'm not going to bed for another five hours. <laughs> well, Jilmari Hellender, he talked about how he didn't want to make a monster film, so that's part of why he didn't show Santa. Sure. He wanted this to be distinctly not a typical monster film, but it also was a budget thing. And I sure. feel like Rare Exports, how they filmed that they had this relationship with a small town in Norway, that they were really talking about the roots, that they really focused in on the characters in these small sets that you said they lovingly gave all this detail. They felt very lived yeah. in, very yeah. true. And surrounded by this gorgeous scenery, obviously, because they were filming in Norway. I feel like having not as high of a budget like this other Hollywood Krampus film with its 2015 CGI scenes and tons of, like, recognizable actors that felt very, like, misused in this movie, basically. I feel like having a lower budget really served Rare Exports. One of the things that, and and this struck me when I was just watching Rare Exports, so much of the movie is in their house, in the two rooms of their house. And then a bunch of the movie is in their little butchering area. And then a bunch of the movie is outside their house. uh, And then a bunch of the movie or some of the movie is is up at like the blast site and then there's a little bit of other stuff i would say 80 percent of the movie is just in like two or three little spots but there's only five characters and it's and they're doing very sort of like small intimate things so it never feels limited it just feels like it's a very intimate small movie right so I, I agree. I agree that the it is a good movie for its budget scale, right? It's a, it's a smartly made movie. I think this is a side note. I think every time I'd watched Rare Exports in the past, because I don't think I've watched it in ten years, and I think every time I did watch it, I watched a LimeWire download I found somewhere. I think this was the first time I watched it in like genuinely good quality, and I was really struck by how beautiful it is. It's a beautiful film. The colors in it are amazing. The The way it's shot is yeah. gorgeous. It's so detailed. It's very detailed. So detailed. Very, yeah. Like, they have these, like, wooden or antler. I can't tell whether they're reindeer antlers or wooden handles to their metal butcher yeah. shed. And it just gives this gorgeous, rustic feel of, like, we used what we had around. So it's not all, like, artisan wood. It's, right? like, this metal, cheap shed but then we have like something we found in the woods and used as hands yeah exactly um yeah it feels like an actual human being's actual workspace right and also i bet uh metal handle probably gets really cold and an antler is probably nicer to grab in the middle of the winter yeah i know he said he really liked um movies where it was very real people and then big things happened to them i did feel like this had 
quite almost a magical realism feel where it was like this is a very real world and now they're dealing with this magic component that's also done in sort of a realistic way like if we were to discover that this ancient beast was real i feel like it being buried with ice and sawdust in this with this ancient technology is quite a like a giant frozen santa like i don't know like it's a logical this this world has those logical rules the other one doesn't yeah you can you're like yes i track that yeah Yeah, that's how you would bury a giant so sure why not where the other one is just a very bizarre hyperbolic cartoonish fantasy world where everyone's like a bougie two-dimensional yeah i mean that family doesn't feel real to begin with um and then the things that happen to them don't feel like they are of the earth they feel like they're constructs the director wanted to play with right um i will say there's one thing that i like about both the young characters and that's that they're both gifted with this sort of awareness and acceptance of the brutality of life and their own mortality like they both have these moments in the film one of the moments in Krampus that I actually found interesting for a second was where the kids basically like we're gonna die right and he's just like a little more upfront about it and kind of nihilistic he's just like we're gonna die and the Pietri has that scene at the end where he's pretty sure he's gonna die and they're both these like kids that just kind of have this this wise acceptance of a reality that other people are fighting really hard to push back or hide from or hide from the kids i I wish they'd gone deeper with that yeah there are glimpses right there are glimpses of things i think that one could remake krampus with some rewrites and make it a good movie let's do it okay great every podcast i've done three christmas podcasts now and everyone has birthed a film (laughs) or a film idea my my biggest biggest issue with the internal world uh, with the with the characters in the world uh, in Krampus is that this grandmother, when she was a kid, her whole family was murdered and taken to hell, and she was given a present from this extra-worldly being. She has this, like, irrefutable proof and this experience, even if she didn't have proof, that this thing exists and murdered her whole family and has just chosen to never pass that information on to anyone including her own family the the whole idea is it's just about belief right like as long as you believe that these things exist you're fine so like just be like hey guys this thing exists it murdered my family and like sure that sounds crazy but if it's your child if when adam scott is six years old she's like Here's the thing. You always have to believe in Christmas. Christmas is a horrifying time of the year. Here's why. Uh, Here's this bell. You know, if he's six, he'll be like, okay, that's incontrovertible proof. Then he'll grow up and understand it. And then he'll pass that on. Right? Like, put it into the lineage. She tells nobody until it is happening again. And she kind of, like, secretly to Max is like, write to Santa. Believe, believe, protect us. But, like, that's a lot to put on one kid. Right? Also... No one else in the family believes, right? Like, why, when when the older sister had her crisis of conscience, it didn't summon Krampus. So maybe, like, pushing that other kid being like, you definitely need to write letters to Santa, like, then she's setting him up to, to eventually crumble and fail? I don't know. It's just the whole... Yeah, and she has that moment where she wants to face Krampus all Yeah, she's sudden. like, I'm, we're going to stand him down. You guys all go. Yeah. I've got him. Right after she speaks English, the one time she speaks yeah. English, and you're like, why? Why? 
Because you have to deliver a bunch of exposition all of a sudden? Get out of here, Grandma. Yeah. Anyway, it's just clumsy. Yeah, it was clumsy, and it was really a missed opportunity because having, like, she was an interesting actress. She could have been an interesting character had they made any choices. Yes. Beyond her being yes. German and having lost yeah. her parents to Krampus. Like, they didn't make a lot of choices for her. I feel like yes. if I did a remake, she would be a way bigger part of it in a more interesting way. If I was doing a remake, she could even keep everything to herself. But then it would be like, she's like, I haven't watched the more recent Halloween movies. But like, my understanding of what, right, like, where she has spent her entire life preparing for the eventuality of Krampus coming back, right? She's got, she's got home alone style like plans set up she's got booby traps she has weapons the kid has his crisis of conscience and she's like okay this is happening yeah fall the fucking line let's go <laughs> yeah yeah and why didn't they do i mean they had that nice moment where she knew how to make hot chocolate but it's like i want to see what other tricks she has she's yeah. gonna have some other tricks up her sleeve right. like she's resourceful but she doesn't they don't let her do anything no yeah her only help is like keep the fire big I mean, it's funny. The movie does to her what the family does to her. That's true. That's yeah. true. It's like the movie judging does to her, her where they underestimate her. Yeah. 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 The movie's judging the family, but doing the same thing. Stupid. That movie really does hate all the people. Yeah. I really like Tony Collette in other movies, and yeah. I just felt like she was just she was fine as acting, but like she was a terrible character and terribly like it just was like flat and not good. She does a lot with what little she has. She like pulls a few really delightful faces. Yes. She delivers some kind of nothing lines in fun yes. ways. I felt that way about the aunt too. Yeah. I everyone in this movie, maybe yeah. that's not true. A lot of the people in this movie are like really doing the best with what they're being given, but they're just not being given that much. Yes. Tony Collette deserves a better script. Yeah, and they didn't give Adam no. Scott anything fun, and yeah. he can be really yes. funny. Like, I really like his humorous deliveries, and they gave him nothing that was funny. I didn't laugh they once. They gave him nothing. No. And I usually laugh a lot when he's in other comedic things, so. Yeah. Okay, well, Jim, serious question here. Which <laughs> movie do you like better? <laughs> okay. In each of these movies, these movies have some similarities, and let's see what wins out. I don't know if it'll be all the way down the line. I mean, I think we already have agreed that we like the Santa Krampus and Rare X. I think the Krampus than- and Krampus could be fun. That that creature could be a fun creature. Weeda Workshop, who did those effects, did a great job. Um, and I would I would watch that thing yeah. do other things. Yeah, and I liked the moment where it danced. Yeah. That felt a little comedic to me. At one point, it kind of like jollily danced behind the creepy snowman that it makes to yeah. symbolize each person it's dragged to hell. That's fun. What about the elves? I prefer naked old men. Especially I now that I know that they're men. in a choir together. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I know that that's not part of the movie, but I love it. It just yeah. gives me the this warm cozy feeling that the movie already gives me oh this is one that's actually a harder decision for me okay all right the advent calendars Mm. i really liked the advent calendar in krampus it was one of my favorite parts where they would show the creepy little pictures it was the same i really enjoy the part in rare exports where he's going through all the books stapling it closed yeah i do like the stapling it closed but the actual design of the advent calendar that I'm assuming was the grandmother's that she gave to the grandson. I want that advent calendar. I'm split on this one in that I liked the use of the advent calendar better in Rare Exports because they started yes. with it. Um, they like used it as a device consistently. And and him like stapling it closed is cute. Yes. And, and I was mad in Krampus 
that it becomes a device, but we don't see it for the first 30 minutes. I was like, that should be the, we should open with that. But in terms of design, the physical object, yeah, this like old wooden, beautiful advent calendar. Great. Loved it. And if it had been more, because they had little things in it that we did see as monsters, like they had a bear on one yeah. and there's that teddy bear. Yeah. If there had been a little more oh, yeah. of a continuance with that, where it's like every time we discovered a monster, it was also depicted in this advent calendar. Like, and I don't know. I would have liked that. That would also really drive home the thing that you alluded to, where like the monsters are specific to that kid, right? So if they were all, if all the monsters were things he was seeing in his spooky old advent calendar, then we'd be like, oh, these are generated from his psyche somehow right and that's nice which one would you rather battle Oof. like who do you think uh, that's you could tough take on? i mean i don't i think either of them would kill me that's fair <laughs> although it seems like rare exports santa might just give you a real good whipping whereas krampus and krampus literally throws you in hell in a in a snow globe in hell that's true so i guess i'd rather get my hide tanned than than be put in a snow globe where I have to have Christmas with a weird, hateful family. I mean, unless it was like, I'm just stuck in a loop of having Christmas with my family. That'd be okay. Yeah, yeah that'd be all right. <laughs> I like seeing other people and stuff, but it's it wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't all hate each other in the way that that family all hates each other. So it'd be, be okay. Well, with that... Yeah. I, I, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Seasons bleedings. I hope that <laughs> your Santa gives you presents and does not demand them. Thank you. Yeah. I'd give him some, yeah. though, if he wants them. I've got stuff. What would you give him? Maybe. Uh, I'd probably give him a moped. A moped? Yeah. I'm coming to your house to demand <laughs> gifts. A moped? Well, is That's it real Santa? Gift. This is a real Santa, like magical man who flies through the skies? Yeah. Fine. Real Santa's more important than me, Jim. No, well, I'm saying I'm not going to give a moped to everybody, but you, you could have a moped. I, I only have one. All right. Well, with that... Merry Christmas, Jim, Merry and Christmas. to all Jims, a good night. <laughs>